Hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest episode of the Nothing But Locks podcast. I'm your host, Ali Melnicki, and we got another fantasy show coming up for you today. So I'm joined by my co-host, Jacob Schrader. How are you doing today, Jacob? I'm doing good. I'm excited to get into some do's and don'ts of fantasy football. Yeah, I'm excited for this one, too, because, you know, we did a good job the last few weeks talking about the different rankings and everything. But, you know, rankings aside, I think everyone has their own personal, whether you call it beliefs or whatever, of things they want to do and things they don't want to do. And I definitely do when it comes to not just fantasy, but when I gamble, when I sports bet, I have all these superstitions. So I thought it would be a good idea to have a show where we list out our key do's and don'ts of fantasy. So let's get started with the do's because obviously we want to recommend to our listeners, you know, give our advice what they should do in their draft. And I think that is very paramount because it gets overlooked a lot. So the number one I wanted to start out with is you draft with your gut. I mean, it might seem like an obvious thing, but a lot of times people fall for the quote unquote expert opinions. They read too many mock drafts, too many Matthew Barry columns or any other kind of field Yates, any other kind of fantasy, you know, guru who they think is, you know, on it, who knows better than anyone. And let's just be honest, these experts don't know any better than you. You know, I, I can't tell you how many years they if you look at their pre-drafts and how the season ends, they're just so way off. You know, you don't see sleepers. You don't see all these rookies that come out. They basically will just take these experts. They'll take, you know, the top names, put them at the top because they think that they're the best and they're really not. So, I mean, Jacob, what do you think? You, do you tend to listen to a lot of experts before you do mock drafts? Or are you kind of like me where it's like, you know, you'll read a few columns, you get a gist of the new up and coming players, but in the end you follow your own gut. What's your take? Yeah, I think sticking with your gut is good. To me, your point to to draft with your gut, it expands a little more for me because I think it's more important to to choose your lineup decisions with your gut. That's very uh, I don't know if this I don't know if these were do's and don'ts of drafting specifically. Uh, you know, uh, it's certainly important to draft with your gut, and um, you know, you're certainly right about the experts, right? You should, I mean, you should just use them to basically give you an understanding of who the general players you should be looking at are, and then make your decision. Um, my first do was just drafting with consistency, right? Right? You know, and and that's really having a plan and sticking to it, right? If you have the fourth pick. You need to know in your head all of the scenarios and who you're most likely to pick at four, right? You won't, you don't right. want to be taken by surprise. Um, that's my first do. Yeah, that's a really good one is going with the consistency because there's so many times you do go into whether it's, you know, a draft or even the week with an idea of what you want to have your lineup look like. And then at the last second, you just abandon it. I can't tell you how many times I've had my lineup set in DFS and then there's something at the last second that makes me take, you know, a top running back or a wide receiver out and and put in a different one. And then immediately as the weekend begins, the guy that I bench goes off for, you know, 200 yards reception, you know, like three touchdowns. And I'm like, why did I bench him? So I, I really yeah. like that idea too. you know, stick with the consistency because we see it all the time. And I really like your point. You know, it, it's very true. If you have the fourth or fifth position in the draft, you know that four or five guys are going to get taken before. So have different options. You know, if Devontae Adams and Cooper Cup are the two receivers to go, you know, who's your third receiver you want to take off the board? If C-Mac, if Jonathan Taylor, if Derrick Henry all are, are all the first three taken and you're that fourth pick, you know, are you going to take a Cooper cup, a wide receiver, or are you going to grab a running back? So that's a really solid point. And I, I really like that because too often in times, and that kind of goes with my first do like stick with your gut, because when we fall victim to listening to these talking heads, to these experts, like, let's be honest, if everyone read, you know, NFL.com or fantasy pros.com's like sit or start or sit for the weekend, don't you think everyone would have the same DFS lineup? 
So not everyone could win. So really, I I like that. I like both of our first ones. Trust your instinct and stay consistent. So, and you know, one of one of my things is like, you know, if if you've planned the entire draft lead up process to take it, take a tight end in round, you know, six through 10, don't take, you know, don't necessarily take Travis Kelsey if he falls because you've done all that research and you have a tight end at round six to 10 that you like, don't throw that all away because you also haven't researched running backs in rounds six to 10 that you're going to need if you take Travis Kelsey early. Right. You know, sometimes you, you you can only focus on so much when you're drafting. Right. If you haven't been following the NFL for the last five years, there's going to be players you don't know. Even me. I mean, I'm a big football fan and I didn't know I didn't know too much about Travis Etienne. Right. Yeah. And he's kind of one of those guys. He's, a you know, he's he's earlier than round six to ten. But, you know, know where you've looked at position, you know, specific positions and then draft them at those places. Yeah, just to go off your point, too, there's been so many times where, you know, experts, fantasy experts, they build up these players, and I just don't buy it. We talked a few weeks ago when we talked about running backs, like a guy like David Montgomery, and I remember even Miles Sanders, too. Like, I remember these experts were were talking them up and up, like, they're going to be star rookies. You know, Devin Singletary was another one a few years ago. You know, draft these guys, and they all were pretty much, you know, not the greatest producers and there were plenty of running backs. I remember cause I had drafted um, I, I believe it was Miles Sanders his rookie year and he didn't have like a great start to the season. I think he did better later on, but I want to say the first like s- six to eight weeks he was doing nothing. And I was like, I wasted like a third round draft pick on this guy because I listened to all these experts. So well, you got to remember, you got to remember that the experts cover every single player. Right. There's a spotlight on every single player by some analyst. So you're going to get so much information that every player is good. And maybe someone will say that, you know, there's a bad player here or there. But, you know, most of the information you're going to find is positives. Um, So I just use it as people to look at. Right. It's not people to absolutely say, okay, this guy's the best. It's just it's just a, a group. And, you know, you look at the group individually and make your own decision. Yeah. No, I really like that a lot. Well, let's get like to a nitty gritty one that I have, but I really love players that are second year players that came on strong during the end of their rookie seasons. Not like, you know, they not like your guys where you look at Jamar Chase last season in his rookie year. Every game he was basically going off, going off. I'm more of like if you look at a running back and we talked a lot in our running back episode at Najee Harris. He really came out so strong at the end of the season. You know, his first few games were nothing to talk about. But, you know, the last six, seven games he played, he was just on fire. You know, he was getting multiple touchdowns of games. You know, he was running for so much yardage. So he's a guy So this year I'm going to really look at. And he's like one of my top running backs on the board. So I really like guys that are rookies that didn't have like from weeks one to 18, like the best season but they were coming out strong toward the end and really showing promise. So what do you think about that? To me, this point basically says draft Amon Ross St. Brown. Yeah, that's, that's, that's what I read out of this. Uh, <laughs> he's this one of your point. guys too. He is one of my guys and he's an ex lion. I think I actually have to draft him this year, but yeah, I like that. I never will draft a rookie, um, but, but that's definitely a good play, right? Rookies that are showing a lot of progress rookies that showed progress and you know unfortunately for um the Steelers running back gosh I'm I'm horrible with names he kind of his situation got a little worse with Trubisky but you know there's going to be rookies who performed better at the end of the season showed some flash and that flash is going to carry over to a more powerful offense so I think that's great I think you know that's when I start to look at you know, young players as being producible when they've shown progress in their rookie season. So I'm totally comfortable taking second year players, rookies, not so much. Yeah, no, I'm on saying Ron, that that's, that's like the perfect example to go along with like how I said, Najee Harris, because you're right for the Lions, those last few games, like he was putting up, I don't know how, like in the twenties and PPR for points for fantasy, like this guy's talented. I think he had a minimum 
of five catches a game for 90 yards and one touchdown in all of those games. And that's a solid the last four, fantasy stat. The last four games. Yeah, that's what you want your wide receiver to have. I mean, and the guy just came out of nowhere. I remember, like, I forget. It was, like, one of the weekends, and he, like, let, oh, he was, like, one of the top receivers. So I was like, who is this guy? But that's another team where it's, like, you have a team like the Lions who people didn't pay attention to all season. And then, you know, they're giving these these rookies or some undrafted, some later rounds chances to really show their stuff. And they come out and just surprise the world. So let's focus though, from, you know, second year or rookie players to your next dues of fantasy. And you're big on drafting Keenan Allen. Now, I love this do because Keenan Allen is one of my top wide receivers, but I'm going to let you explain it first. Yeah. So, but you know, when I say draft Keenan Allen, I really mean have a player that you love and try to draft him, right? It doesn't make sense for you, your player that you love to be the first overall pick because you're not going to get him uh, 11 out of 12 times or however many players are in your league. But having, you know, to me, it's a wide receiver. Having someone that you really, really like that's not a round one or round two guy and just making sure you get him, to me, that's pretty important, right? And, you know... For me, it's almost always a receiver that's sure-handed and is in a good situation. And I mean, I think Keenan Allen should be ranked so much higher than he is this year. Right. right? I'll take Keenan Allen over so many people ahead of him. Ezekiel Elliott. I mean, Key Higgins. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Key Higgins is not going to put up more points than Keenan Allen. Keenan Allen is like, I don't know if he's a Hall of Fame wide receiver, but he's pretty close. I mean, he's he's been really, really, really good for a long time. And yeah, he's old, but the point is he's a possession receiver, right? He's running slants and and seven yard outs. And then he's also, you know, he's still quick. He's still fast. I mean, I'm just saying draft someone who you really like, who you can, you feel like is dependable and you can build your team around. Yeah. That's kind of how I am running back wise with Najee Harris. You know, he's like the guy that I'm targeting. Like, you know, I don't care if I'm in a top 10, and I'm like the eighth or ninth pick. I'm drafting Najee Harris over C Mac. I'm probably drafting Najee Harris over Derrick Henry. Like he's my guy that I want on my team. So mm-hmm. that's a perfect point. And Keenan Allen, like I said, he is my top three wide receivers this year. Uh, like I think after Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson, I even Cooper, I'll throw Cooper Cup in, but he's one of my top guys. I think yeah. Keenan Allen is so underrated. And yeah, I agree. Chargers? And, yeah, go ahead. And I also don't think Mike Williams is – I think Mike Williams is good, but I don't think he's anywhere near consistent enough no. to, sh- to shift the priority in that offense. Mike Williams think- is interesting because it was like – I felt like last season he would have a game where he would go off, like I have, you know, 11 catches for 190 yards, two touchdowns, and then he'd be a bust the next week. Like he'd have like three catches for 45 yards. So, but Keenan Allen is just so consistent. And I kind of compared Keenan Allen to Mike Evans because Mike Evans is another guy that I always want on my team. I just think they're mellow guys. They're not flashy, but they come in, they do their job. They get you a touchdown a game and they get you plenty of receptions. So Mike Evans is another guy. I group right into that, that I'm just, I, I love consistency in fantasy. So I'm just always drafting a guy like that. Yeah. So, yeah, it's a big thing. Now, another one I really am an advocate on, and we talked about this a few episodes ago, I don't draft defenses. I don't. I don't even care if it's like the 15th round, if you're in a 15-round draft league. I won't waste a draft pick on a defense. I'll draft plenty of bench guys and figure out who I want to drop after, but I stream my defenses every week because – you know, what do you think about that? I think it's a, I think it's a good suggestion. I think it's, you know, it's, it's a little relative because I, you know, I could see the the reason to draft the bills defense if it's sitting there. Right. right? I can see that. I can see a reason to draft the 49ers and the Rams, but that's it. Right. Don't waste a, a draft pick. Right. So last year I drafted Devo Samuel. I'm pretty sure I drafted him after someone had already drafted a defense. Oh, wow. Right. Maybe, maybe not exactly, but Devo Samuel was not in the first six or seven rounds last year. Right. Right. Devo Samuel was so, so slept on. 
Yeah. And there, and, and that's like when you have the opportunity to make those picks that can make a difference. Yeah. Um, you know, there, there's always going to be a team that, that has unsureness at a specific position on their depth chart. And if you can figure out, you know, which player is the most athletic that's vying for that starting job or who have you seen that's, that's been okay in the past, take them instead of a defense, right? Defenses, you know, someone's going to play the jets every week mm-hmm, exactly. and, and, you know, you can pick those guys up and, and take seven points for free. Well, that's even, you know, to, to go with, to your point further about, yeah, you can understand, you know, drafting a team like the bills or the Rams, you know, some of your, your top, um, your top defenses, I'll take it a step further and say, not necessarily. Cause if you look at the bills schedule, yeah, they like, play the Rams. Yeah. Like, like week one, they play the Rams. Yeah. Week two, they play the Titans who let, you know, I know people are not giving as much credit to the Titans, but they're still a top, you know, team in the league, you know, Miami, they are asleep. There are many people's sleeper pick this year. Baltimore is going to put up points on you. Pittsburgh, you could throw them out. But then you have Kansas City and Green Bay. Like, they don't have the easiest of schedules. So just because you draft the the Bills defense, you're going to have to oppose top offenses. So I would rather, you know, stream a defense. And like you said, who's playing the Seahawks this week? Who's playing the Texans this week? Because if, if even like a mediocre defense, like the Minnesota Vikings, are hosting the Houston Texans in Minnesota. Like I'll stream, I'll, I'll draft or I'll, I'll pick up on waivers. I'll draft Minnesota's defense that week. Cause I know they're in the best chance to get the points. Yeah. So, so I, I wonder who scored more points last year, the, the top ranked defense or the team that played the top, the worst ranked offense. That's a good point. I'd have to look that up, but I know it's a strategy I've, would say I've been doing at least the last two, three seasons and it works for me so much better, so much better. Cause you know, again, there's teams like you would never think to pick up like another mediocre team, like Philadelphia's defense. They're not the best, but if they were playing the New York giants last year, who are my team, you know, I'll play Philadelphia against the New York giants. Cause the New York giants are probably getting a field goal the entire game. So it, it's a good strategy that I believe has worked for me. I know some people just rather just have that defense that they know, like the Bills, like uh, the Ravens, you know, that they know is just going to perform and get you your points. But, hey, if you can get in, this has happened to me. If you get 25 points from a defense that you streamed, I mean, Jacob, can you go wrong with that? Absolutely not. I mean, you know, streaming is great. And one thing you don't want to do is have a defense take up two positions. Right. You don't want two spots on your bench delegated to a defense, right? And, yeah, I mean, defenses are – it's even more so for me because defenses are a little undervalued in my inflated scoring system. Mm-hmm. But uh, it is interesting, though, because in standard you know, scoring, defenses can put up quite a few points. Um, so, I don't know. I always – there's always defenses that are good, too. Like, the Eagles are always good – Right. The 49ers are always good. There's some defenses that, you know, the Colts are always okay. Right. They always get turnovers. Um, so I'm I'm all for streaming um defenses. Let me check. So my third do yep. was handcuff your running back if they have a solid backup. <laughs> right. And I'm talking about your first round running back selection, your second round running back selection. Yep. I don't know. I just seen so many people get killed when Alexander Madison has a, a quick 150 yard game right. when Alvin Cook is out. Um, there's a lot of them, and and running backs are really the easiest. Where it's like, okay, if player A is hurt, player B is going to shine. Um, so C Mac, if he has a backup that's any good, that's kind of unclear yet what happens when C Mac gets hurt. Right. Um, but th- there are certainly running backs. Um, like, uh, l- l- let me think the, the Rams guy is an okay example. Yeah. Henderson like over acres. Yeah. Yeah. Henderson is good. He started the second, the, the first half of last year. And if acres gets hurt, he's going to go in there. He's going to put up 80 yards on the ground and, and yeah. 25 catching. Uh, he might score a touchdown too. So, you know, Cam Akers is kind of at the lower end of, of running backs. You want to handcuff, 
But some of the stud guys have backups that are good too. So so draft them if you you want them to stay protected. Yeah, that's something I've really have executed a lot the past few seasons. You know, I did have Dalvin Cook, I want to say two or three seasons ago. And I made sure to draft Alexander Mattson because I knew Dalvin Cook's missing at least four, minimum four games a season. Like he it just he's gonna get hurt. Zeke Elliott's another one. If I have yeah. Zeke, I'll draft Tony Pollard right behind him. So, you know, even when I had Chris Carson, he's now retired, but a few years ago, I mean, I made the mistake of not getting a backup from Seattle. And then Chris Carson was just always hurt for me. And then it just screwed me all over. So that's another do, you know, especially for C-Mac owners, Dalvin Cook owners. I would even go so far as to say if you own Derrick Henry this year, because, you know, he is coming off an injury. We don't know, you know, if it's 100%. But, you know, Saquon Barkley owners, I mean, when Saquon was hurt two years ago, Wayne, I had Wayne Gallman from week to week mm-hmm. and he was putting up points and I'm not just yeah. a Giants fan, but I mean, the guy was coming in and getting two touchdowns a game like, like, you know, so that that's a really strong point to make. I would also just say, you, you know, you can draft handcuffs, even if you don't own the the star that goes along with them. That's right. It's not a horrible draft pick in a later round to draft a handcuff running back because if the starter gets hurt, you now have uh, an, an extra second or third round pick, right? And, and a starting running back on a good team. So handcuffed running backs are important. They're always good to look out for. Yeah, absolutely. And then another do I have is I always make sure I load up my wide receiver. You know, I want my wide receiver one, wide receiver two. I'm a, I want my running back one, running back two. Minimum, minimum. Sometimes I stretch it to wide receiver three, running back three, but I at least want all my position players set before I draft a QB. I'm not a person that's going to draft a QB before the sixth or seventh round. I just, I won't. I won't take Lamar Jackson early, Kyler Murray, Josh Allen. I just, I won't take them. And I've seen some mock drafts where people are drafting, you know, a Josh Allen as early as the third round. I'm not going to do it. What about you? Yeah, uh, I'm different because I draft Stafford every year. Right. And some years I have to trade up to get him because everyone's just like, okay, I'm just going to take Stafford next pick and demand yeah. a trade and I'll trade anything. Um, I actually, I even did it one year. My friend, I think, took Stafford like first round and I had to trade him my first round pick. So I traded him Leonard Fournette and Leonard Fournette ended up being no good. Yeah. Um, maybe it wasn't the first round. It was like the third round. But uh I don't know. I, I I wouldn't draft a QB super high. There's a lot of pocket passers. I would say there's probably 10 or so QBs. Like Dak Prescott is a crazy good fantasy QB. Yeah. He, he's not highly drafted, right? He's he's still pretty low no. in the, the ranks. You're going to have people like uh, Jalen Hurts for some reason taken early. You don't need to be that guy who takes Jalen Hurts. That's too big of a risk. Draft, draft in the 10th round or the, whatever round QBs go in. Draft Matthew Stafford, draft Matt Ryan, even draft draft someone who's 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 gonna put up a you know potential five thousand yard season and you're not gonna have to spend too much capital on him. Yeah, I um, mean, even like a guy like Tom Brady, you're not gonna you could probably get Tom Brady in the tenth round. Yeah. I mean, he's not a guy people are reaching for. Too many people want that running quarterback because they're gonna get the running yards. But you know, I'd rather a Tom Brady who's gonna get four touchdowns a game than a Kyler Murray that maybe gets one touchdown a game and what, like 67 rush rush yards. So yeah, that's just my opinion, but let's move on to, cause I'm curious to hear about your next do. So you want to explain that one, Jacob? Yeah. So I just kind of said, understand the the non-physical things that go into your players, right? A lot of that is their schedule, right? Are they playing? uh, And for schedule, I mean, running backs, really like running backs can really struggle, struggle if they're in a division with, you know, two other defenses that just stuff the run, right? That can really limit their ability, even in games where they're not playing because they're hurt. They're, they're not thinking of highly as of themselves as they had in the past because they're just getting stuffed when they play their division opponents. Right. But also like strength of schedule and and stuff like that, right? At the end of the season, if you have a, you know, if you if your week sixteen game for a player is is incredibly favoring, or I guess now we're, it's week seventeen because the season got extended, that's valuable, right? And you know, it, it's more so in trading at the end of the you know midway through the season, you want to trade for players with good schedules on the back end, 
But I think for specific players like running backs, don't draft running backs. Like, you know, and, and NFC or whatever the division the Rams are in, right? You don't really want to draft a running back in that division. No. Right. They're they may be good, but but that's a that's a good defensive division. So you're just, you know, you know, there's a lot of games on the schedule where you have no idea if they're gonna run at all. Right. Yeah, I mean, that's a good point because that's how I kind of was like last year. Let's like take the Denver Broncos, for example. I never took a Jerry Judy, a Cortland Sutton, or a Tim Patrick in any of my daily fantasy because I didn't like the quarterback. I didn't like Drew Block or or Teddy Bridgewater, who who it was. There's nothing to do with the physical attributes of either three receiver. I think all three receivers are highly talented, but I didn't like the quarterback that they played for. I didn't think that Drew Locke was going to be successful getting them the ball, that they were going to score a lot. So that that's a very solid point to make and something I didn't think of. But now that I do think of, yeah, I do take something like that into effect. That's a really good point to make. Yeah, and, and for wide receivers, the other thing I look at is like, are are they the garbage time yard guy on their offense? Right. Right. You know, is it Jerry Judy or Tim Patrick who's going to get the ball when the Broncos are down 17 with 12 minutes left? Right. Who's going to get that that deep pass that could be meaningless in the outcome of the game, but it could be 14 points in fantasy. Right. Um, that's just something I look for right running backs too that can catch the ball like a, a running back who can catch the ball well on a bad team right that could be really dangerous because they're just throwing right. you know screens they're throwing a lot of passes to the running back when they're down um and you know they can kind of like the the patriots will use that as an extension of the run game right they'll line the, the running back up outside and instead of throwing a doing a run they'll throw a quick screen to him right that also happened with golden tate all the time in in detroit their running game was half actual runs and half five yard guaranteed uh, slip screens to Golden Tate, right? So it's just stuff like that, right? Knowing, you know, when you should expect your players to get the ball. Are they going to be, you know, lots of receptions, low yardage, low volatility? Are they going to be guys that can go for 100, 100 yards or or seven yards like Mike Williams? Just understanding stuff like that. Yeah, it's something even we were talking about it last week in the tight ends episode. Like, I really like Hunter Henry with the Patriots because I know Belichick loves to utilize his tight ends. He loves getting his tight ends touchdowns. He loves those short, you know, throws into the end zone. So it's something also taken into account, you know, the coaching. Are, do these coaches like to air the ball out more? If you look at Kansas City, you know, Kansas City wide receivers are going, no matter, even though they're not big names with Tyreek Helgon, they're going to get receptions because Andy Reid loves Patrick Mahomes to throw the ball downfield. Kansas City's never been big on its run game. So coaching is another non-physical attribute, I, at least I take into effect. You know, I look at which coaches do like, do favor a running game. You look at the 49ers. They love using Debo Samuel as a running back. They Elijah Mitchell, he is going to get his touches. And especially this season, I don't think they're going to trust Trey Lance to throw as much. So that's why I'm particularly very high on all of 49ers running backs because of that. So that's another really good point to make. Mm-hmm. I think we'll go to my last do and your last do before we move on to the don'ts. But you mentioned earlier in the show that you know, you don't draft rookies. I don't draft rookies high, but I do draft them in later rounds if they're still around based on their potential. You know, a guy like if you look at the Saints, Chris Olaf, I'm huge on him this year. I watched him play plenty at Ohio State. I think he's going to be, you know, he could potentially pass Michael Thomas if he's that good this year for being the number one receiver on the Saints team. You know, he's a guy that if he's a wide receiver available in the later rounds, I'm going to take him and put him on my bench just to see how he performs. You know, there's plenty of other running backs out there. I can't think of any off the top of my head. But, you know, draft these rookies. That's why you should do your research too. Just draft the rookies with potential and stow them on your bench for later. I'm not saying take them in the top two, three, four, five rounds. But come rounds eight and nine, you know, you look at even a lot of backup running backs you get later on in those picks that of rookies that have guys. And like you said, you know, with the C-Mac situation, if Christian McCaffrey gets hurt, which we all know he is, 
he might have, you know, a backup rookie, you know, right now the, he might only be the third stringer, but if that backup's not performing, they're going to give it to another, you know, third string guy. And he could come out out of nowhere and do it. You look at even a few years ago when Le'Veon Bell, you know, had his holdout, no one was drafting James Conner that high. And and James Conner came out his rookie season and just blew everyone away. So what's your opinion on that? Uh, my pet, my point is pretty similar to yours. Yeah. Um, you know, yours is to draft rookies with potential in later rounds. Mine's to take risks after round five. Yep. Right. It's the same thing. It, yeah. You know, right. Once you have your core, right. And your core means round five gives you five picks. That means two running backs, two wide receivers, and another one to make up your flex. Right. That's when you can start, you know, probably you want to draft a tight end pretty soon after that. Um, but it's also like, you can end up with, with, you know, four, four wide receivers and four running backs before you take any other position, right? Mm-hmm. That's totally fine to do. If, if there are players still on the board that you think could be successful, just take them because wide receivers and running backs, they run the world in fantasy football. So if you have someone who you like in round six and you already have that position filled, just go for it. Cause you don't no idea what's going to happen. Yeah. Totally agree on that. So let's move over to the don'ts because, I mean, the do's are fun to talk about, but I love stressing to people, don't do this. Don't make the same mistake. Don't listen to the experts. So my first don't is, and we kind of touched on this a little bit in the do's, but don't overdraft a quarterback or a tight end. You know, I, I hate to say it, but those aren't your core players. Your wide receivers and your running backs are your core players. I understand there's exceptions, tight ends, you know, Travis Kelsey, Mark Andrews, but they're still tight ends, you know, get your wide receivers, get your running backs. And then if you want to draft like a Josh Allen in, you know, the fifth or sixth round, sure. Go ahead and do that. But know that you can, if you can get a solid RB two in the fifth round, you know, take that over Josh Allen. Cause then maybe two, three rounds later, you can get like a Patrick Mahomes who's still going to put up similar numbers every week. What do you think about that? Yeah, I, I like that. Um, it, it follows what we kind of talked about in yeah. the last of the dues, right? You know, your quarterbacks and tight ends, they're replaceable. They're really, really replaceable because there's so many teams with a quarterback who's going to throw maybe for 300 yards. Um, and there's a lot of tight ends who will catch five passes for 40 yards. Uh, there's, you know, for, for really for the tight end and QB positions, there's a, there's a solid list of mediocre players, right? And in right. the running backs and wide receivers, there's kind of stars and there's not stars. Um, so I think you want to get some stars on your team. And, and yeah, a star can be a quarterback or a tight end. But, you know, I don't know. Josh Allen is probably going so much. And Josh Allen and Patrick Holmes are probably going so much higher than Matthew Stafford. And right. uh, let's say Matthew Stafford and Dak Prescott. But I would not be surprised if Matthew Stafford and Dak Prescott were within two points per week of both of those guys. Right. I mean. Yeah, I totally agree on that. It's like I said, like with Tom Brady earlier, like Tom Brady's going to get you three, four touchdowns a game easily. Yeah. And I would rather a Tom Brady than a Jalen Hurts who people are going to draft over him than a Kyler Murray who people are going to draft over Tom Brady. Like, you know, I'm taking guys that I know are going to perform consistently week after week. We talked about in our quarterback episode, I just don't like running quarterbacks. Like the run first guys, Lamar Jackson, even like I'm just not I'm just not as high on them. You know, it all it takes is to put up a defense that knows how to stop these guys running. And when then you force them to throw, when you used to have to force Kyler Murray to throw last year, especially when DeAndre Hopkins was out, it it was awful. Like he had a terrible second half of the season because he didn't have D hop. He was coming back from injury too. So, so he couldn't run as much and he was basically a fantasy liability toward the end. So for me, quarterbacks, you know, sleep on them a little bit, take them, you know, I, I personally think even the seventh round is a little high for me to take a quarterback. I have done it, but I think I would say take a quarterback eighth round or later. You know, if you miss out on one of the top guys, like you said, it's not a huge fall off. Now it is a huge fall off if, you know, you draft, you draft a Cooper cup 
and then you don't draft a wide receiver again to the fifth round, you're losing so much talent in between there. Like, I don't yeah. know if you have Cooper Cup. Like, if you have a terrible wide receiver, too, it basically negates having the talent of Cooper Cup. So yeah. let's move on to your first don't. Yeah. So my first don't is don't draft more than two players from a single team. Perfect. Right. It kind of limits your potential upside. Um, and if, you know, a team has a bad game, that's really bad. Right. If you have Matthew Stafford and Cooper Cup, and the Rams, I mean, I'm sure the Rams had a game last year, right? Rams against the the against Minnesota or Rams against Tennessee, right? Stafford was was zero, was one touchdown, two picks. The touchdown was not to Cooper Cup. Cooper Cup would have put up, you know, he probably put up like six catches for 90 yards in that game, anyways. But you know, if he would have put up four for 40, right, you would have just automatically lost that week. Yeah, um, it can help you. Right. If, if, you know, there was a lot of games last year where Stafford threw two touchdowns and they were both the Cooper Cup. Right. And that's fine because it's two. Right. But when you get above two, you're just crazy. Right. right? You're really limiting your upside potential. You're, you know, in a sense, I understand it. It can be minimizing your risk a little bit, but I think it minimizes your upside when you have three players in the same team more than it does your your. Um, it, it minimizes your upside more than your risk. Absolutely. I mean, you look at even case like Joe Burrow, you know, Joe Burrow, if you started Joe Burrow and you had, let's throw Jamar Chase away, but if you had Tyler Boyd or Hig or T Higgins on your team, you know, there's a chance neither are catching those touchdowns. Like Joe Burrow may throw for 400 yards that game and have three touchdowns, but all three are to Jamar Chase and Higgins is stuck with three catches for 45 yards while Boyd is stuck with four catches for 70 yards. So I'm right with you on that. I rarely will take both a quarterback and the same receiver. Very rarely. Even running back and wide receivers. I'm like you. I don't like taking multiple people on the same team. Because then, too, that, you know, let's move right on to your second don't before we get to mine, because this kind of goes to my next point. You know, you draft the same people on the same team. And what do you do when you're with your bye week, right? So why don't you elaborate on that, Jacob? Yeah, it, exactly. So my second point was, you know, drafting starters on the same. Don't draft too many starters with the same bye weeks. Um, I've actually heard people say that this is a good strategy to just basically sack one week. Um, I don't really agree with that. Right. I think if you're drafting deep enough, there shouldn't be too much of a difference between your wide receiver two, your wide receiver three, your flex, and your running back two. Those players should be relatively close. Right. Generally, you can get lucky and have, you know, two studs on the at running back and then kind of, you know, one good receiver and, and two mediocre ones. But you're not going to have all studs all around. So you want to basically play where you can submit a lineup that you're comfortable with every week. Um, Because, you know, if you take guys with the same bye week and they don't end up being great players, well, and then you have a bad team and you automatically lose one week. That's not really a a great recipe for success. No, I'm right with you on that, you know, and not even just players on the same, you know, you know, yeah, like you said, not even just players on the same team, but, you know, if the Jaguars have a bye week and, you know, the Colts have a bye week and you have Travis Etienne and Jonathan Taylor as your running backs, like you're screwed. Like yeah. those are your two top running backs. You're without both of them. You're going to have to settle for someone on the waiver wire who probably isn't going to get you that much. It's I'm, it's, kind, of, go I'm ahead. kind of surprised they haven't gone to two bye weeks per team at this point. I really think they should. It pro- they'll probably end up doing it just because then they get another week of football. <laughs> yeah, I don't really get it. It's good for everything. I think when they when they go to eighteen, an eighteen game schedule, I think they'll they'll have to have two bye weeks. Yeah, and you know, an eighteen game schedule is coming in the next few years, so we'll see that soon. But another, we'll go to my second don't, and I don't ever. I shouldn't say ever. But I try to avoid drafting the same player in consecutive seasons. I mentioned how I stole Patrick Mahomes when he had his his first year as a starter and he just blew stats out of the water. I was sure, though, the next season not to draft him. Now, he still had just as great a production. Maybe he was a little bit – he didn't have as many points week on a week-by-week basis. 
But I just feel like if I had so much success with the guy one season, I just don't feel comfortable trusting him to replicate that. That doesn't mean it's it's a great strategy, but it's my personal superstition, you know, last season. Like if I had Jonathan Taylor last season, I don't know if I draft Jonathan Taylor this season. I told you I'm high on Najee Harris. I would even go so far as to draft Najee Harris before Jonathan Taylor. What about you, Jacob? What do you think? Yeah, so I can see the the reason for this one a little bit. If you had a player who had a great season, there's reason for him to to regress towards the norm. There's also kind of injuries where if you had a guy and he didn't get injured, he may be more likely to get injured the next year just because of the law of averages, right? I understand the law of averages actually isn't real, but I don't know. I, I wouldn't say I follow this one like crazy. Mm-hmm. I think there is some you know, I, I do do it somewhat, right? And a guy who I won't do it with this year is Debo Samuel, right? right? I took Debo Samuel maybe like the 82nd overall pick last year. Right. And I'm not drafting him in the third round this year. Um, I just won't. It's too, you know, I'm looking for value, guys. Um, I don't really know if I think Debo's going to have a crazy year. I think they have too many weapons. And I think, yeah, right. you know, without – Without uh, Garoppolo, they're not going to have as good of an offense for the receivers involved. So I, I, I understand it. But for a guy from me like Keenan Allen, I'll draft him if he's available no matter what. Right. There's specific guys for me that are just, you know, they're, they've been so consistent throughout right. their career. I'm fine with taking them year after year as like my, my like if I can get Keenan Allen as my wide receiver, too, I'm ecstatic. Right? Mm-hmm. That's like the best wide receiver, too, you can have. Um. So yes and no for me. Yeah. Yeah. No, there, there's definitely exceptions. Like I mentioned, I love Mike Evans. I've had Mike Evans before. I'd still draft Mike Evans if I get a chance this season. It's just also like a guy, you know, I just like to, I like to change it up. That's why I've never been in really like dynasty leagues. You know, I don't want to keep guys from year to year. I mean, everyone got burnt the one year that they, who guys that kept Saquon Barkley after his rookie season. And then he's never been the same since. So it, it's just like, it's just a thing for me, but let's move on to your next don't. And let's talk about that, Jacob. Why don't you go ahead? Absolutely. So my next don't is don't rely on touchdown dependent players right uh-huh. this goes for people who you know you're drafting because they scored 16 touchdowns last year and you think it's going to happen again right touchdowns are pretty risky and pretty volatile right yeah. it's kind of a lot of right place at the right time it's what's working versus what isn't you know there may be some legitimacy to a player who gets a lot of touchdowns and it's clear he's the touchdown guy on the team from week one and then, you know, okay, week three is gone by. He's still scoring a lot of touchdowns. You know, maybe that's reason to either start him or trade for him. But trying to, you know, track touchdown-dependent players, I just don't love it. Yeah, I agree with you. And, you know, prime example, we talked about this last week, but that's Dawson Knox. Dawson Knox last year for the Bills, he was very, very touchdown-dependent. He had a solid campaign, you know. He was one of your top tight ends, but he was, if you look at his stats, he was very touchdown dependent. He's a guy that as a tight end, I'm staying away from this year because I believe he is too touchdown dependent. Same thing with, I've been mentioning it in the last few episodes, like Sony Michelle, since he was with the Patriots, I always thought he was very, just a touchdown dependent third back guy. Like he was going to get you maybe, you know, a, a touchdown for a one yard run, but that was about it. So I really like this too. It's something I follow and I I really, yeah. Jacob, why don't you go ahead and explain some more? Cause I really like this one. Yeah. Um, okay. So yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. Players like, hmm. you know, it also goes for just risky players in general, right? You know, there's, there's, there's some element to, in the first couple rounds, drafting someone that you know is going to get you a certain number of points, right? They they they're unlikely to get hurt. They're not they're not you know in front of the you know on Sports Center every second. They're just solid players, 
And and those guys go so far in fantasy, right? If you can have the least residual points of anyone in your league, right? That means, you know, maybe like the you have the, the tightest knit group of scores. You're just going to win games because you're consistent. There's so many people in fantasy who try to shoot for the moon. And if you can just put up a solid number, you'll you'll catch some people by surprise and beat them on their down weeks. Yeah, that kind of goes with my I'll, I'll combine my number three and number four don'ts. So my number three don't was don't draft injury prone players. And my four don't was don't draft players with controversy. So I like I'm not going to draft a Christian McCaffrey because he's just injured every single season, multiple games. I'm not going to draft a Saquon Barley Barkley because he's been injured every season since his rookie year. And then when it comes to controversy, like I made the mistake a few seasons ago that I drafted Le'Veon Bell, my second pick. He ended up sitting out the entire season. I got so burnt on that, that I will, I just stay away from controversy players, you know, players, players facing suspension, Alvin Kamara, everyone in every sign indicates he's going to get a suspension, maybe anywhere from six to eight. Why? He, um, because he, he, uh, got charged. I forget if it was domestic battery, something like that in Vegas, but he got drafted. I mean, he got, um, arrested in Vegas a few months ago. So he's currently with the league. Um, he has to go through a hearing, but he's going to get about a six to eight game suspension. He's a guy I'm just going to stay away from. He's going to miss you your first, you know, six to eight weeks. Like same thing with DeAndre Hopkins, as good as DeAndre Hopkins is, he suspended the first six games of the season. You're going to also lose him when it comes to the bye week. So there are guys that they have controversy surrounding them. I'm just not going to take a shot with. What do you think about those? Yeah, I, I saw Marquise Brown just got arrested too last night. Yep. Um, or maybe it was two days ago. But yeah, I mean, you just got to play those players smart. Right. That's a guy that's fine to take. But if you can match up two running backs, one of which has a solid early game schedule, and then you have Alvin Kamara that you're just going to flop him out for. That's not horrible in my mind, right? Alvin Kamara can be really dangerous in week 16 if you have him somehow, right? Same with Marquise Brown, although I'm less high on him. And same with um, Michael Thomas, who I think is just back now, um, but DeAndre Hopkins too. Uh, having those guys late can be valuable, but you also can't you know, lose the game before those guys become important. Yeah, that's that's a perfect point. So let's move on to your next don't. Why don't you explain that? Yeah, right. So mine are don't draft unsure players in rounds one through three, right? I talked about this right before. You draft your studs. You draft your consistent players. You don't, you know, the, the risks aren't meant to be taken with your first overall pick, right? You don't want to take a flashy running quarterback at round one, right? You want to take a dependable running back who catches passes, who you know catch passes, who you know is going to be in the game on third down, right? That's what you want. You want players in rounds one through three who you know are going to be on the field on round, on, on, on third down because that's when the, the ball is getting moved. Um, that's when running backs are catching passes. That's when wide receivers are getting loose and catching touchdowns. That's the down that matters. That's the money down in the NFL. So make sure that your first three round picks are on the field in, in uh, th- on third down. Yeah, that that's that's perfect. So we'll go to my last don't, and that's don't draft too early. Don't don't have your, uh, you shouldn't be having your your NFL draft right now. You shouldn't be having your NFL draft next week after one week of preseason. We just saw in this past week with the Broncos, Tim Patrick got hurt. He's out for the entire season. No way. What happened? Uh, he tore I think his ACL in practice. Uh, oh two weeks ago. So, you know, he, he's done. He's out for the season. So if, if you drafted this week and you had Tim Patrick, now he's done for the season. Mm-hmm. Jacob just mentioned, you know, Marquise Brown just got arrested. So if, you know, if he's facing suspension and you have him on your, your spot now, and he's probably been going pretty high, you know, they're, they're, that's too bad for you. There are going to be injuries. I hate to say it, but there are going to be injuries in preseason games. And a lot of key players are going to be injured. So, yeah. I personally wait till after the third preseason game because usually the fourth preseason game is when, you know, the starters don't play at all. So what do you think about that, Jacob? Yeah, I think it's silly to play starters in the preseason, like 
Really at all. I mean, they're in the they're in the NFL. If they're not rookies, I don't think they should play in the preseason. Um, maybe second year quarterbacks. Yeah, that's fine. Um, but yeah, I don't draft until like September second, September third, right? I draft like one week before the season starts. Um, that's just how we've always done it. Some of the most fun nights in my entire life were draft parties with my friends in high school. Um, first time I ever got way too drunk was at a draft party. <laughs> So I mean, it's, it's a long, uh, that's draft. why we play fantasy football though. It's a, uh, it's an unbelievable way to connect with your friends. And, uh, you know, all my friends have, we've been away from each other because of college and, you know, COVID, but we're kind of back this year. So it'll be our first in-person draft with quite a few people in a while. Um, I'm, I'm really excited. Uh, I, I like that to have not drafting too early. I'll go to my last one. Yeah which is not to draft both sides of a split backfield. Um, This is, I'm literally talking about Denver here, right? I'm talking about Javante Williams and Melvin Gordon. Uh, Javante Williams is is being average drafted at like 20 overall. Um, But there's like a, such a solid chance that Melvin Gordon plays the majority of reps this year. There's a solid chance they split them down the middle. And if they're splitting them down the middle, you don't want either one of those guys. Right. If they split them down the middle, you know, and you play both of them, you're getting 40 rushing yards, 20 receiving yards from each of them in one touchdown split. Right. That's not that's OK. But uh, you're basically, you know, you're basically. Getting wide receiver one produ- or running back one production from both of those slots combined, whereas you could get wide receiver one production from one of those slots by taking a, a stud who's in the game on third down, no matter what. And then having a guy who catches a lot of passes in, in slot two, like DeAndre Swift or just someone in later rounds that you can pick up like one of those two guys. Um, but I just in general, stay away from slip backfields, right? Don't draft one of them. Don't draft two of them. Don't draft any of them. Right. Yeah, exactly. Like you look at Miami's backfield. I mean, they got Miles Gaskin from last season. Now they got Chase Edmonds. They got they got Sony Michelle too. Like that's just a mess. Like I, mm. I stay away from all of that. But all good points there. I really enjoy talking do's and don'ts. I'm sure we could come up with even five to ten more per one. There's so many. Like mm. I said, everyone has their own superstition, but we do hope we gave plenty of our listeners some good advice. Maybe you'll follow some of our do's or don'ts. But uh before we sign off, Jacob, do you have any last thoughts or anything you want to share? Mm. I'm getting excited for fantasy football. I was uh, I was looking at the Rams. I didn't realize the Rams played the the Bills on a Thursday night. Oh, does, yeah. does this does the Super Bowl champion always play in that game? Usually, yeah. The usually the Super Bowl champion will open the season. Last year, we saw the Bucks kicked off against the the Cowboys on Thursday. Oh night. wow! Yeah, and it's always a good game. Uh, I don't know. I may try to go to that game actually. I was looking at I was looking at it a little bit, but uh, I'm excited for football. I uh, hope everyone else is as well. Yeah, for sure. I'm sure we'll be having our Zen Sports Fantasy Draft coming up in the next few weeks, as our CEO is very high on that too. So, yeah, we'll have some. We'll have a little office competition to go along. I always like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but thank you, everyone, for joining, and we will talk to you next week. Take care. Uh-huh.